Tony. Good morning, Canada. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. Today's date is June 26, 2022, and it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis, I'm here in BC. How are you, my friend? Well, we finally got summer. Excellent. Uh, this has been one of the coolest and probably easy. It might not even be close, but it's probably the wettest year ever. Um, and uh, and so, I mean, I didn't have like we have an, an above ground pool and um, I didn't have that even filled up. I didn't have anything set up. I didn't have the solar panels out. Nothing because the weather has been so bad. And then, like a light switch, it's hot. So yesterday, I spent the whole day getting the boat ready, getting the pool ready, getting <laughs> just one thing after another, getting the patio all set up and everything, which all would have been done normally like a month and a half ago. And, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's it's finally here. We had 31 degrees yesterday. So, how are you? Fantastic. Um, I think most important, we should actually talk about how you started your day yesterday, bright and early in the morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yesterday morning, I actually woke up pretty early um, because the sun was shining bright and, uh, and it kind of lit up our room a bit. And I got up at, I woke up at 5 a.m. And, uh, Looked at the clock and I went, oh, great, 5 a.m. Oh, what do I do? Because everybody in my house is going to be sleeping for a couple more hours at least. I have two teenagers, so they're going to sleep for another six hours. And uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to head down to the beach. So I drove down to the beach, walked out onto the end of the pier, sat down on the, on the uh, bench that's out there, and I just... I, tur- I I left my phone off, and I sat there for an hour. No phone, no nothing, and it was glorious. Yeah, well, I think that that's actually an important, but well, not lesson at least that that's something that the rest of society in general should reflect upon. Is that it's great to just enjoy nature once in a while. I mean, we don't always have to be staring at a phone to be. You know, we don't always have to be connected that way. It's being you sat out there and you actually connected with the lake and with the countryside around you for an hour. And that's not only commendable, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, um, I know my sister and her family, they go camping virtually every weekend uh, to a place where there is no cell phone coverage for that very reason, because her husband um, is... uh, He's he's a part owner of a pretty big company down in Vancouver, and his phone is constantly ringing and buzzing, buzzing and everything all weekend long. So he they go they purposefully go camping somewhere where there's no cell phone coverage, and 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 it's the only way he can relax. Well, and I'm a business owner, and I mean it's the same thing. My phone goes all weekend, and. Uh, and that one hour yesterday where I just shut it off, sat there and just 
took in the nature around me. It was it was great. It was the most relaxing hour I've had in a long time. And uh, and I think everybody needs to do that. Just unplug for a bit because it's. I mean, you, people don't need to get a hold of you right away. Like you don't need to be accessible twenty four hours a day. Like you know, shut the phone off. Stop staring at the screen. Stop, you know, you don't need to be entertained 24 hours a day. Yeah, absolutely right. No, I think that was awesome. So um, good on you. You were able to do that. Yeah. No, and I'm going to make that a regular thing now because, boy, did that ever feel good. Oh, excellent. All right. Well, before we get going with show topics here, I do want to give a, a little shout out. Um, listener Ashley had sent us a message last week on anchor.fm and we appreciate all of you uh, who send us messages and some of them are fantastic and some of them are angry responses to topics that we brought up on the show, which I think is fantastic because at least it gets you engaged. Um, Ashley sent us a message in response to your discussion last week, Lewis, about when your grandpa was working security in an apartment building carrying a baseball bat and Ashley's point was that she has played baseball much of her life and the advice she was given was well carry that bat but make certain that you've got a baseball in your bag as well so that you're actually just carrying the bat because you want to do some batting practice or play some baseball and I thought you know we really do have the smartest listeners in Canada and Ashley you've just proved that so well thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, that's a it's a good response. However, I don't think a 65-year-old man walking the halls of a apartment building in the middle of a big city at 11 o'clock at night with a baseball bat is going to be able to pass for going to baseball batting practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, possibly not, but it's good advice all the same. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, On the show today, Brenda Lucky... Your time is up. Teresa Town gets a modest pay increase. The UCP sets some rules for leadership. Bill C-11 soars through Parliament. Why is Trudeau so obsessed with American politics? And more. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's start with Trudeau and American politics. Trudeau is obsessed with with america I and mean, it's it's funny for a country he disses so much and leadership that he disses so much when donald trump was in charge he just can't get enough of american politics can he no he's uh he's he's focused like a laser on what is happening down there and i mean it's if there's a shooting in the states he passes new gun control legislation in Canada. If there's a decision by their Supreme Court, he says he'll fight for the for Canadian women's rights and all of that. Well, any incident or any court case that happens in the U.S. has absolutely zero bearing on Canadian law or Canadian life. We're different Wait, countries. Can you, can you say that again? <laughs> I don't know. I'll try. Um, <laughs> whatever, any incident or any court case that happens in the United States has no bearing on Canadian life, 
Canadian laws or anything. Wow. They are different countries with different constitutions, different sets of laws, everything. This is, but Trudeau is obsessed with saying that whatever is happening down there is going to happen here. And I know why. Do tell, because I'm, I'm actually curious to hear this. He is trying to correlate American politics with the Canadian Conservative Party. He wants Canadians to believe that the Conservative Party of Canada is basically a branch of the Republican Party. Ooh. Well, there's some food for thought. And I guess when you look at the issues that he is so obsessed with, like you say, there's a a shooting, suddenly there's new gun control law to try and bait conservatives into uh, standing up for firearms orders. And yeah, the Roe versus Wade, I mean, even when it was just leaked out that the decision may go this way, you know, weeks ago, Trudeau immediately jumped up and talked about, you know, abortion rights in Canada and, and even at the time, maybe not on the show, at least when you and I were talking with, amongst ourselves, said that, okay, yeah, the two have nothing to do with each other. But you're right. Yeah, I mean, and Trudeau was happy to chime in. Well, they want to talk about, well, women from the States coming up here for abortion services and the head of Planned Parenthood Ottawa, which I didn't even know Planned Parenthood was here, by the way. Um, she was on the news immediately when the Roe versus Wade decision was announced last week talking about abortion rights in Canada. And you're right. Um, what the hell are you talking about, lady? Yeah, this is this is a very confusing matter because I think that there's... I think Trudeau thinks that he's going to play into Canadian ignorance um, because there is, there is a substantial amount of Canadian ignorance when it comes to the separation of the United States and Canada. There's a substantially, like a substantially high number of Canadians that, that think that our gun control is the same, or that our uh, our laws are the same. I mean, you, how many times do you hear Canadians using the word felony? I mean, felony is an American law term; it's not a Canadian law term. Um, we uh, or or they use you know terms like uh, um, you know district attorney and stuff like this or they they because we're inundated with american lawyer shows um and canadian canadian lawyers are not are like crown prosecutors you know they're not district attorneys um our our laws are not even close to being the same in most cases our you know our uh, our sentencing is definitely not the same our you know, our constitution is completely different, obviously, because we don't have a right to free speech in Canada. Um, there's there's so many different um, factors to take into account, but I think Trudeau is is thinking that he's that, that, that Canadian ignorance is more pronounced than it actually is, and he thinks that he's going to be able to convince Canadians that all of these things are under attack in Canada too. And I don't think it's going to work for him. 
Well, that's a good point. And then, uh, actually, I'm glad you mentioned the freedom of speech thing, because that's probably one of the things we hear the most. The Canadians say, oh, we want, you, you have your freedom of speech. It's like, no, we have freedom of expression here. But, of course, Section 1 of the Charter, you know, limited by you know, reasonable and, how, how is it put, you can be, the, any of our freedoms can be limited if they're demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. So we have some freedom of expression yeah uh we have we have freedom of expression with limits which That's right. <laughs> is not freedom of expression <laughs> exactly yeah so i mean it's yeah, it's it's like yeah we got big big differences between the u.s and canada and uh but like i said trudeau's playing into canadian ignorance um which there is a lot of I mean, I don't know how many times people have said to me over the last couple of years that, you know, assault weapons or sh- you know, shouldn't be allowed in Canadian streets. And it's like, well, assault weapons haven't been allowed in Canadian streets in 45 plus years. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, do you, what do you mean? You know, like they practically lose their minds when you tell them. Well, because an assault weapon, if you, I mean, there's no legal definition for assault weapon, um, but us, but we all know, I mean, let's not be stupid. We all know what people mean by assault weapons. Um, those are fully automatic, you know, guns and fully automatic guns in Canada have been illegal since the 70s. And semi-automatic is not an assault weapon. You might have a gun that looks like a fully automatic weapon, um, but that does not mean that it works the same. I mean, it's like I've I've shown people that picture. It's you've seen it on Facebook where it's got five different rifles. One that looks like a fully automatic you know machine gun from like military grade and then at the other end of the spectrum you've got like a wooden stock hunting rifle and then there's three other variations of these guns in between and the thing is is that all five of those guns are the exact same gun yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, and it's true. Yeah. Uh, it's how you dress them up. Yeah, they're exactly the same gun. There's no difference. They work the same way. They they have the same exact action. The only difference is the stock. Like the only difference in those guns is the stock, and whatever dress up items you put on them. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So. But that's it. They they're the exact same gun, and they work the exact same way. One will not kill people faster than the other. It's not possible. Yeah, that's right. So. But one is, but but one's illegal and the other's not. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, all right. So we'll move on from there, and let's uh, well, let's talk about Canada's national public health officer for a moment. Theresa Tam got a modest pay raise recently. Um, by modest, I say, well, actually, she got a raise in the same amount that 
a lot of Canadians make in a whole year. She was given a $59,000 pay raise last week. Well, I've got to say she earned it, don't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, a chief medical officer that was wrong more than she was right. Yeah, she deserves to get a $60,000 pay raise. Yeah, and uh, if she got that huge a pay raise, we have to ask ourselves, okay, well, was she underpaid before? And you just gave me the numbers before the start of the show. She was not underpaid. No, no. She was making like $260,000. So now she's making $320,000. Yeah, which is about $300,000 more than she's worth. <laughs> just, yeah. just saying. I mean, if 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 just telling people to stay home, wear masks, and uh, you have to get this shot that nobody is sure what it will do to you, um, and just parroted that for two years, uh, if that warrants a sixty thousand dollar pay raise, then she deserved a sixty thousand dollar pay raise. Yeah. Well, and the fact that she was wrong about it, she. When this pandemic first started, she was like, oh, no, don't wear masks because, well, we gave away so much of our PPE to China one month before the pandemic was declared. We didn't have any masks. So then she was saying, oh, no, don't wear masks. They don't they're not effective. It turns out she was actually right about that part of it. And then yeah. she like, oh, no, wear masks. So it's like and then, yeah, I mean, she just fumbled that thing the whole way through. And she still is. Yeah, I mean. We still, I, th I think we're what, one of the only countries left in the world that still have uh, vaccine mandates. For air travel, I mean, yeah. Yeah, for air travel. I mean, they, they've, they've, po they've stopped, the, they've postponed the, uh, uh, the vaccine mandates for domestic travel in Canada. But, uh, but we're, we were also told at the same time that, you know, just, be ready for them to come back. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, like, what, what do you mean? It's over. I mean, every other country in the world agrees, you know, that it's over. I mean, everybody's dropping their vaccine mandates or dropping the testing. You know, they're doing all these things, but not Canada. We've got to keep, we've got to keep our thumb on our people. And, uh, and it's just, it's embarrassing and it's maddening as someone who is going to be traveling here pretty soon. It's maddening. Well, it is. And you're right. You hit it right on the head. It is all about control. It has nothing to do with the virus at this point. And it really didn't, in my opinion, this is not any kind of a fact here. I'm just saying, in my opinion, it's been about control all along. It's been two years of, how can we stick the screws to Canadians? And then once they realize how far they can go, well, they don't want to pull back. So now they're just dangling the carrot. And well, they did it to you guys in BC. We're going to let you have a free summer, but be ready for the fall. And it's yeah. it's, it's fury infuriating. Well, yeah. And I mean, I mean, and then you've got what uh, the WHO right now is is meeting to decide whether or not to make monkeypox uh a an epidemic or a pandemic <laughs> with our and, 160 cases yeah and it's like come on like 
give us a break. I mean, if you're not going around, you know, just sleeping with people all over the place, you're not going to get monkeypox. I mean, it's 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 been it's not a technically a sexually transmitted disease, but that's how it's being passed. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. They're not even telling you how it's being passed. But if you read up on if you actually dive deep and find out it's being passed primarily and I'm not <laughs> I hate that you got to preface your comments, but uh, it's being pi- passed primarily in the gay community. And it's primarily through sexual activity because you've got to be like you know, uh, practice. You got. I mean, what, what was the term when we were kids? Swapping spit. You got to be pretty much swapping spit to, <laughs> to pass this. Like you got to be kissing somebody, or, or you know, in, in really close, intimate contact with someone to be passing it from one to the other. That's why there's only 160 cases, right, in Canada. It's not like COVID, where it just spread like wildfire. It's it's like you've it's. It, it's a very, it's not an STD, but it is transmitted by close intimate contact because of how it transmits. So unless you're just sleeping around, you're not going to get it. Well, there we go. Now, it, now I've learned something. Well, thanks for that. So. Yeah, no problem. I'm here for it. <laughs> All right. So from... Uh... From monkeypox to no, I can't call her a monkey. But Brenda Lucky, um, we can certainly have have some insults for her. Call her a stooge. Oh my God, she. I had enough of her. Oh, so, I'm done. I mean, yeah. I mean, let's be real. I mean, what did, what else did anybody expect? I mean, she's she's Bill Morneau's niece, and yeah, she was that's, that's right. And she, and she was appointed by Trudeau. I mean. It was it was nepotism, and they did it because they. I mean, this is my my uh, opinion, but they they appointed her because they knew they could control her. Well, and uh, well, she's kind of proving that right. So now, for listeners who don't know what we're referring to, uh, last week we had shared a, an article from the Halifax Examiner on our Facebook page. If you haven't read it, please do. Uh, it talks about the Nova Scotia mass shooting inquiry where Brenda Lucky had, well, I can't even say pressured. She actually just wanted to know, she demanded that uh, that Assistant Superintendent Darren Campbell, or Commissioner, maybe he was Assistant Commissioner, she uh, insisted that he release the kinds of weapons that the piece of garbage used in the mass shooting and he refused because he said, no, this is a part of an ongoing investigation and we don't want to disclose the information. And she sent a letter to Mr. Campbell to say that, no, we, uh, there is pending gun control legislation and this will help keep officers and the people safe if we release this information. And she demanded the types of firearms being used. And could potentially have compromised the investigation yeah and uh and i mean he said 
he said that he was it wasn't like pressure it was a it was a reprimand for for not going along with it like she said that she had promised the prime minister's office and the safe uh was it the safety or justice i believe it was justice Public safety minister, uh, with Bill Blair. Public sa- okay, public safety minister. She had promised the public safety minister and the PMO that she would get this, get the information on the on the firearms released ASAP, so that it could be released before the gun control legislation was released. Yeah, and, now that legislation uh, that uh, you're referring to, Lewis, is that order in council that came out in 2020, shortly after yeah. that mass shooting. Yeah, that that banned 1,500 different rifles. Yeah, uh, which has slowly grown to over 1,800 different rifles, I believe. Um, and nobody quite knows what they are because there is no list published on the internet. You have to call your. Uh, provincial firearms officer to to find out if your guns that you have are legal or not that's the only way you find out um so what brenda lucky did was she was caving to political pressure and i don't know if she was caving to political pressure or if she was actually a willing participant and in my estimation she was probably a willing participant well, that's the angle I go on to, and it's just she's—I guess she's just shown that she's a willing participant with the—and this is a different inquiry, but with the Freedom Convoy inquiry going on right now, she's trying to hide behind cabinet confidence. And there was a conservative MP on that committee saying, um, "But you're not a member of cabinet. How how can you hide behind cabinet confidence? You aren't in cabinet. You're not an elected official." And she still kept saying, "Oh, you know, I can't compromise cabinet confidence." the hell's wrong with you lady yeah and like i said i mean being the niece of bill morneau who when she was when she was appointed he was the finance minister and i mean it's with her being his niece i mean you can only assume that she was put in that position because she told him because she agreed to do their bidding basically you know um, I mean, and this is my opinion. This is not fact. This is my opinion. Um, but I, I believe that that's probably the reason why she was chosen. Well, and I mean, I think your opinion has an awful lot of backing when you've seen how she's behaved in the job. I give her full credit that at least she did not say that she asked for the emergency act to be invoked because she was under oath, I guess, so she couldn't lie. So I'm, I appreciate that she didn't. So thank you for that, Commissioner Lucky. But she's been horrible. She has been absolutely horrible in this position. And I'm really ticked. I mean, that's uh, with how she's handled this, the Nova Scotia mass shooting inquiry, when you read that article, Canada, and please, I beg you, read that article. You're going to see how she decided to take charge of the release of information and within 10 minutes she had released three different body counts of how many fatalities there were and i mean she botched it left right and center right off the start and then you know compromising an investigation by demanding the release of which type of firearms like it's 
just this one file alone she's been horrible on. And I just, I mean, it's time for her to go. And honestly, it's probably time for Bill Blair to get thrown under the bus as well. Because we all know Justin Trudeau is going to skate. He's never going to be punished for anything because the Laurentian Triangle will continue to vote for him no matter how much he kicks Canadians in the teeth. But at the very least, Lucky and Bill Blair have got to go. Got to go. Well, and I mean, if you look at, at things, I mean, you gotta, you gotta start. Canadians have to start using their brains. I mean, Justin Trudeau has interfered in multiple ongoing investigations or court cases. Uh, he has publicly denounced a jury decision in a trial. He has continued to try and interfere with Canadian or American politics. Uh, and he continues to be uh, light on crime or easy on criminals by eliminating minimum sentences for gun crimes. And that includes gun smuggling. I mean, uh, and... Uh, and then is going after licensed RCMP vetted firearms owners. I mean, there's nothing that this guy's been doing that's ethical in any way. And Canadians have to start using their heads. I mean, this is, yeah, in this case, it's Bill Blair that's being implicated for the interference. But who does Bill Blair get his orders from? Well, that's I mean, a good point. They all get their uh, mandate letters right from Justin Pierre Trudeau. I mean, every time, every time there's something like this that happens, it's it's someone else that gets implicated, that gets thrown under the bus. I mean, Bill Morneau got sacrificed. Uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Justin Trudeau's best friend there. Um, Oh, Gerald Butts. Gerald Butts. He got thrown under the bus. And he willingly... These guys are willingly falling on the sword for this guy. And I don't understand why. Right? I mean, there's there's a number of people who have all been thrown under the bus, who have all taken the fall, who've all fallen on the sword. And yet, somehow Justin Trudeau isn't responsible for any of this. It's like... If all the people around you are rotten, then you're rotten. I mean, because if everyone around you is doing stuff that's unethical, illegal, you know, all of that, then either you are the worst leader of all time and don't know who the people around you are, or you're the one ordering them to do those things. Well, see, both could apply to Trudeau. Like both of what yeah. you said. I mean, he is a horrible leader, and yeah, he has and, surrounded himself with a bunch of buffoons. And both of those scenarios warrant you losing your job. You would think that, but you're right. This is Canada, and God forbid anybody in a big city would vote for anything other than a liberal. Yeah, no, it's if you want to know why I'm so mad, it's because of stuff like that. And well, and and you should be, and, and we all should be. I mean, we. I really believe that the Canadian electorate 
vote for people on good faith that you're voting for good people who have the best interest of our country at heart. And we continue to be fooled. It's like Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football. We think this is going to be the time she's not going to lift that football up when Charlie Brown tries to kick it. And every time Lucy lifts up the football and we, we continue to fall for it. We continue to say, Oh, well, um, and then you actually said this on this show when, uh, before whichever election it was that we were covering that, you know, here we're, uh, you know, we're we're going to vote for the the best of the worst, and that's what we continue to do, and we continue to get the worst of the worst. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's 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 frustrating and it's maddening. Yeah, it really is. All right, so let's talk about something that's uh, well a little less frustrating. The United Conservative Party of Alberta has now set the rules for their their leadership race coming up. I'm actually all in favor that they've made a, a rather large uh, election deposit, for especially for a provincial campaign, but I'll explain why. And yeah, it's interesting who's in and who's out of that race. So now they've put down the deposit rules. The vote will be October 6th, by the way. Mail-in ballots will have to be in by October 2nd, I think, believe it is, or perhaps the 3rd. And then... Um, there's a $150,000 deposit that needs to be in. And there was uh, another $25,000, which I think is like an entry fee, which probably had to be in before the deposit. And so, so far we've got Danielle Smith, who I fully am endorsing. And we've got Brian Jean. We've got, I cannot remember the name of the gentleman who is the mayor of Amisk, Alberta, and I really should because I actually like him. Um, small town, tiny little town in East Central Alberta at any rate. And there are a couple others, but Michelle Rumpel Garner was in. Oh, wait a minute. No, she is not in. She is not. And she. It's funny because well, funny as in peculiar, she withdrew from Patrick Brown's federal leadership campaign for the Federal Conservative Party of Canada. She actually had named staff to work on her provincial leadership campaign and then decided, uh, nope, I'm out. Yeah. <clears throat> Apparently everybody's too mean. Is that what it was? Okay, I was, I was curious because I know you'd read something about that. Yeah, yeah. It's toxic. The environment is toxic. It's a leadership race. Of course it's toxic. It's politics. I mean, <laughs> politics in general are toxic. And I mean, this is, and I mean, how many times have I said on this show that I did not like the way that she portrays herself as a victim all the time? That's true. You have said that and you are right. I mean, and she's doing it again. The, the reason that she's not running for the leadership is because the environment is too toxic that there's too, that there's bullying and, and all of this. And it's like, um, you're in politics. What do you, th I mean, you've been in politics long enough to know that that is par for the course. I mean, it's the dirtiest game out there. Politics is a blood sport. I mean, and, and always has been, but the funny yeah. thing is, is once this leadership race is over, once an election is over, everybody rallies behind their leader. They, they, you know, 
usually they all fall in line within their camp and then they sort their differences out behind closed doors and present a united front to the electorate. That's how it works. That's always how it works. You're not going to have five leadership candidates running for party X, all giving you the exact same message and expect to have a competitive campaign. No, exactly. I mean, and I really, I really lost what remaining respect I had for her when she, when she resigned from Patrick Brown's leadership race, uh, her campaign halfway through. I mean, he, he he's counting on her to run his campaign for him. That's why he hired her. And halfway through, for personal ambition, she resigns from his race, leaving him in the lurch. And then doesn't even do the thing that she resigned from his, his, from his campaign to do. I mean, all because it's, everything's too toxic. Yeah, I mean, no. sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, but politics is a rough sport. And if you're going to be in it, you got to have a thick skin. Yeah, that's right. Now, to be fair, Danielle Smith did say that she agreed there was some disunity in the party. And and, and there is. I mean, in Canada, this, this is something that's been national news about different factions and infighting in the UCP. But as Lewis and I just said, this there's nothing abnormal about that, especially in a leadership race. And as a side note, when the Saskatchewan party had their leadership race five years ago, it was literally four candidates preaching pretty much the exact same message, and it was boring as hell. So I'm glad there's some different ideas out there. I like Danielle Smith's idea for a, 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 a sovereignty act. I think it's a great idea. And I think we need more of those ideas that are a little bit on the controversial side. And I want that. I want some different ideas out there. I want to hear, you know, completely wild-ass ideas. And then, you know, as long as they make sense somehow to the, to the person who's making them. And let's get them all on the table. That, that's how we build a, a better movement is by different ideas. Yeah, well, and I mean... When a party is in turmoil, there's always different factions. I mean, there's there's different factions in every party all the time. But, you know, there's, there's different factions in, especially when a party is in turmoil like the UCP is right now. And there's, they're, they're leaderless and they, uh, and they're looking for a new one. And there's going to be different different groups you know and there's different groups that are trying to recruit different people and putting pressure on people to join their group and all this kind of stuff and i mean that happens it's politics it's 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 the reason that i didn't get more involved in politics because i saw what you had to do to the people in your own party to get to the top and i wasn't willing to do that and I, and I, and it wasn't like uh and it wasn't because you know i don't have the i i i wasn't trying to be a victim or anything like that i just 
you know, I was like, okay, this is the game. I don't want to play that game. So I didn't do it. But but Michelle Rempel Garner tends to say that she's the victim. And it's always because, you know, it's because I'm a woman. She has used that line, I don't know how many times. I mean, and she she uh she always says, you know, this is the reason women don't run and all this kind of stuff. And it's like there's a lot of women who run. And a lot of women who have never complained about, you know, the way politics works. And the the one that always comes to my mind is Deborah Gray. When when she was in the Reform Party, I mean, she she I always lamented the fact that she never went for leadership because she would have been she probably would have been the best leader of the Reform Party that that they could have had. I mean, even more so than Preston Bannon. She was so she was one of my favorite politicians of all time. Um, and politics back then was a lot nastier than it is today. Yeah, she actually got called all kinds of names, even right on the floor of the House of Commons, but also in the halls as she was, you know, going to and from. She yeah. was called all kinds of nasty names. Yeah, and people would make yeah, they'd they'd ridicule her weight and everything. Yeah. And the thing is, is that this isn't but 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 here's the thing. Everybody wants to say that this is because you know it's it's particularly nasty for women. No, it's not. It's the same for everybody. I mean, how many times was Stephen Harper referred to as literally Hitler? Yeah, good point. So many times. And by the mainstream media, not even just by his opponents. Yeah, the mainstream media would call him Hitler. I mean, it, it's... This is... if There's no difference in the way that men and women are treated in politics and because i mean this is not women aren't treated particularly worse than than men in fact i'd say you know i mean saying that someone is literally hitler is pretty much saying you're the worst human being on the face of the earth i mean yeah i mean you, you can't tell me that that is that 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 you know anything that a woman has endured is anywhere uh uh or has been called is nearly as bad as what Stephen Harper was called oh I yeah, mean he, he was treated horribly oh horribly so I mean I'm I'm so sick of this victim mentality and for some reason Michelle Rempel Garner loves the victim mentality yeah, she really does. It's uh, it's sad because she actually has been a very effective MP, and especially the last few years, she's really pulled that victim card, and it's really disappointing. Yeah, and I mean, and the past, I mean, I was reading an article saying that that most conservative MPs in Ottawa say that they haven't even spoken to her in probably eighteen to twenty four months. That she oh just she just doesn't. And not because they're they're ignoring her, but because she's not there. She doesn't 
she doesn't uh, uh, meet with people. She doesn't return calls. She's this is a and this is in a newspaper article. So, or <laughs> for those of you out there who don't know what a newspaper is, um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it was the online edition. So, uh, but but it, it was in a it was in a uh, article. I believe it was in the Toronto Star. So I mean, take it for what you will, but um, uh, but they were talking about how, the, how other conservative MPs say that they she's just not around and she doesn't return their phone calls. She doesn't return text messages. Um, she's pretty much removed herself from the Conservative Party caucus. Like she just doesn't interact with people anymore, and hasn't for, hasn't for quite a while. Well then, and she rarely shows up to in-person House of Commons. I mean, she 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 pretty much zooms in for every for every session. Oh, well, that's interesting. So, yeah. all right. And actually, speaking of sessions, that's actually a good way to segue into our last segment for the day. This uh, now the current session of Parliament has now wrapped up. Thursday was the last day. And so now Parliament is has risen for the summer. But as we talked about on our last show, they ran through Bill C-11, which is the first of the censorship bills they wanted to have passed. It did pass. And now we've learned a little bit about more about how it passed. It was rammed through. We told you last week that the Liberals had invoked closure on debate for Bill C-11. We have since learned that not only was debate censured, the, the, the government actually rammed that bill through, and there were sections of it, amendments, etc., that were never discussed, and they were simply told, nope, there's no time to read this. You just We just have to vote on it right now. And so now... We have a parliament that doesn't even know what the hell they passed, but they passed it and threw it to the Senate. Absolutely unacceptable. Yeah. And hopefully the Senate does their job and reads it and rejects it. And that's that's what we have to hope for right now. That's pathetic that that's what we have to hope for. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the the thing that that has me a little... uh, optimistic is that the senate has been doing their job more in the last couple of years than they had in the last you know 150 um that's a good point they they've been doing that they've been rejecting uh parts of bills and, and sending it back to the house of commons to be you know re rewritten or redone um or, or rejecting things all, all together, right? I mean, like they've they've actually been taking their job more more seriously than than previous senators have uh, from the entire history of our country, who they used to just act as a rubber stamp. Um, so hopefully, hopefully they do their job this time, and they realize the danger that this bill poses of of censoring the internet for Canadians. Yeah, I certainly hope you're right, and I uh, I love how they keep saying, "Oh no, it's just certainly updating uh, the current current laws on on regulation." Um, no, it's really not. When you've got popular YouTubers and TikTokers 
threatening to leave Canada if this bill goes through because they know they'll be shut down or at least they don't want to have to you know, go through all the paperwork necessary to prove that they're Canadian content. Maybe the government should sit up and take notice. But since they didn't, we have to hope the Senate does. Yeah. And I mean, if it's just uh, an update of of uh, wording to take into account new technology and stuff like that, then why did the debate have to be uh, shut down? Why did, why did they have to censor debate on the censorship bill? I mean, well, exactly. And why couldn't you let people read the documents? I mean, this is like Obamacare, right? Which was like in the States where it was like, if you want to know what's in it, you got to pass it first. Exactly. That's exactly what it's like. And, and it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, no bill should be, should be passed uh, without knowing what's in it. And, and I mean, I, and I'm tired of, and I mean, I know, I know, you know, my favorite prime minister from the past, you know, 60, 70 years is Stephen Harper. And, and I know that they used uh, that privilege to be able to shut down debate. And, uh, and I hate it. I hate, I hate it when it's used because this is the most important part of lawmaking in Canada is, the, is debating and getting amendments made. Yeah, and they've all then then all prime ministers have used closure. Jean Chrétien was probably the worst for invoking closure, just because he didn't want to debate bills; he just wanted to run like a dictator, and he was able to. Uh, but so I mean, it's not just a Trudeau thing invoking closure. You're right; Stephen Harper did it, and he's also my my favorite. I've called him Canada's greatest living prime minister for years. Um, yeah. I didn't like it when he did it either. So it's uh, it's not we're not picking on liberals necessarily directly it's something they all do but this government is getting to be as bad as the Kretchen government for it if they if, it, if they're uncomfortable with their own legislation they invoke closure well i mean uh sunlight's the best disinfectant come on let's 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 see what's in this yeah no i i agree with you 100 percent. i don't i don't like it i don't like it when anybody does it and uh and it and it's a practice that i think needs to stop yep Absolutely. And uh, I think that's where we're going to stop today, Canada. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's um, It's been great. And just because Parliament has shut down for the summer, like every year, that doesn't mean we're going to shut down. A lot of political podcasts do that for the summer. I don't understand why, because Canada continues to have issues all year round. So we're going to be here for you next week and throughout the summer. So until next week, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Have a great weekend. Good night, Canada. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony.